since Tuesday, April 24th, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. On January 19th of this year, Lifeline had the privilege of hosting a storytelling event in partnership with Ark Stories in Birmingham, Alabama. And you can visit more about Ark Stories by going to their website, arcstories.com. Well, the night on January 19th featured seven storytellers recounting stories of, of healing and hope. And one of our storytellers was Jennifer Phillips. Jennifer and her husband, Brian, had four kids, including a sweet spitfire that they adopted from China in 2013. The Phillips were actually living in Australia at the time of their adoption, which made for an adventure and faith journey, getting Lucy, American citizenship, and then back home into Australia. Jennifer is a writer and a storyteller. Listen now as storyteller Jennifer Phillips shares more about bringing Lucy home. So my whole life, I've wanted to be famous. And I realize it's a little shameless to admit that, like out loud, but it's true. And I can remember when I was young, I would drive my sister crazy because I would keep her up at night and I would say, hey, I'm gonna sing something and I want you to tell me how good I am. And be specific. <laughs> so I thought, oh, I could be a singer. You know, that would be the first way I could be, uh, be famous, but that didn't, that didn't pan out. So then I thought, oh, I can be in the Guinness Book of World Records. And so I decided that I was going to break the record for the longest amount of time swinging, because of course. And so I made myself a sandwich because, like, I was going to be there a while. And... <laughs> Went out to the swing and, you know, 15 minutes and a peanut butter and jelly later, I was done. So, uh, so that didn't pan out either. So then I thought, I'll be an actress. And this desire like carried over into adulthood. I may have suggested to my husband that for our fifth anniversary, we go to Hollywood. And because he's a good and patient man, we did. And I remember we were walking down the streets of Hollywood and they were filming a pilot for a TV show. And even though I was five months pregnant and was wearing khaki maternity pants, I thought if I just walk like purposefully and dramatically enough past them, I can be discovered. <laughs> they, uh, they weren't looking for like my character that day, so <laughs> I didn't get chosen. <laughs> but being famous for being a singer or a world record breaker or an actress, that would have been fantastic. But instead, I gained fame through a story that I did not want. In 2011, my husband and I moved our then family of five to Brisbane, Australia. And um, before that, in our marriage, we had talked often about adoption, that we'd like to adopt one day. But as soon as we knew that we were moving to Australia, we thought that that dream was dead because adoption in Australia is really difficult. But we just couldn't let the idea go. And so because this is how we find out information these days, every once in a while I would Google, can Americans living in Australia adopt? And one day that Google search led me to an answer of yes, that there was a way. And so we connected immediately with Lifeline and they said, yes, this is possible. They'd helped hundreds of expat families before us. This had been done before, no problem. And so we got the ball rolling to adopt from China. 
And about a year later, we opened up our email to a picture of the most beautiful 11-month-old Chinese baby girl you've ever seen. And after praying, we knew that this was our daughter. And we could look at her picture and we said, there she is. That's her. Well, about four months after that, uh, we got travel approval and we found out that we were going to be meeting our little Lucy on December 16th, 2013. Now you can imagine it was a bit complex to adopt as Americans, living in Australia, adopting from China, but again, this had been done lots of times before and we had a plan. So our plan was this. Our whole family was going to go to China, and at that time, our three biological kids were 10, 8, and 6. So we were all going to go to China, meet Lucy, complete the adoption process. And then, because the law was that she needed to land on U.S. soil to get her US, automatic U.S. citizenship, Lucy and I would fly to America, um, and then Brian and the other three kids would fly back to Australia. So Lucy and I would go to America, land, get her automatic U.S. citizenship. The next day, we'd drive to a passport office, get her U.S. passport, visit family for a few days, and be on our way. Well, things went according to plan at first. We loaded up, we flew to China, and on that day, December 16th, in a civil affairs building in the midst of chaos all around us, of all, all these other families and children around, we heard her Chinese name called out and out walked the orphanage director with our baby girl in her arms. And at the time she was 15 months old, but she was the size and the developmental stage of a four month old. And the orphanage director walked out and we, we almost couldn't find her because she was wrapped in so many layers of clothes. They do this in China. Um, like you would think we were adopting from Alaska. It really was like that. So, um, but there she was and underneath all that clothing we could see her big brown eyes looking up at us curious and confused. And we were in love. The problem was Lucy was not. And you have to understand that we looked different, we sounded different, we smelled different, and she wasn't used to being touched because she spent most of her days in a crib alone. And so our very touch was painful to her. So she would literally keep her hands like this in the air and lean back as far as she could go away from us. We were quite the sight walking around China like that. And it was hard, it was really, really hard. Well, Christmas night came, and it was time for our family to separate. And I, walked, I watched my husband and three older kids walk down to their terminal to fly back to Australia, and Lucy and I walked to our terminal to fly to America. And um, she cried a lot. Like, I forgot to say that. Like, when we got her, the, the, at first she was curious, and then she started crying. And she really didn't stop crying our whole time in China unless she was, unless she was sleeping. So I have this crying baby who doesn't want me. And we're getting on the plane. And if there are anybody, any of you here that have ever traveled with small children on a plane, like, maybe you've seen that look of panic in people's eyes, like, when they see you coming to their row. And... <laughs> That was definitely our experience. Like literally, the people on our row were like looking, you know, like all around, like, is there anywhere else we can sit? And I want to be like, like, I'm right here. Like, I see you, like making that face. <laughs> but um, anyway, we made it. We made it through the long flight and then the next flight and the next flight and finally got to America. 
and landed and, um, you know, it was our assumption that she got her automatic U.S. citizenship. And the next day, we drove to the passport office to quickly get her U.S. passport so we could be on her way. But this particular passport agent decided to apply a stipulation of a law that we did not know existed, that Lifeline didn't know existed, that other adoption agencies had never heard of either. This agent said that because Lucy was not coming to reside in the States, because we were going back to Australia, that she did not in fact get her automatic U.S. citizenship, and so she could not have a U.S. passport. And I was devastated. This started a process of a flurry of activity of Lifeline advocating for us and friends advocating for us and congressmen getting involved. And our case got higher and higher and higher and went all the way up to USCIS office. And we got word. They had handed down a decision. And the answer was no. And they said, no, she did not qualify for citizenship. She is not a US citizen. She cannot have a US passport. And so what became my reality was here I was on one side of the world with a special needs, newly adopted Chinese baby who did not want me on one side of the world. And on the other side was my husband and three children who very much wanted me. And we couldn't get to each other. And we didn't know how we would. So enter the fame. You know how uh, we've all shared stories like on social media about people who are going through crisis and you share and you ask people to pray and we've even shared stories of people we don't even know. Well, let me tell you, it is an out-of-body experience to all of a sudden be the person that everybody is praying for, to be the story that's being shared over and over again. And I had been blogging about our adoption experience and my blog is going viral and all these people are praying for me. I'm thinking, how did I end up in this situation? Um, it was a story that I did not want. And I can remember one night, uh, in the middle of the night, about 2 a.m., Lucy was asleep in her crib at my parents' house and I was on the floor crying out to God. And I said, how is this best? How is this best? How is it best that our family can't be together? How is it best that my husband is missing out on crucial days of bonding with his new daughter? How is it best that Lucy can't cocoon with her new family in her home? How is it best that my six-year-old little girl calls me every day and says, Mama, are you coming home today? And I have to say, no, baby, I'm not. And I don't know when. How is that best? And I said, God, either you don't see me or you don't care. And I don't know which option is worse. Well, I was Lucy. I was leaning back as far as I could go saying, you are not good. and I don't trust you and I don't want you. But you know what? He didn't abandon me in my unbelief. And he continued to pursue my heart. And in a beautiful gospel parallel, as I was patiently pursuing Lucy, and she slowly, slowly was beginning to trust me and lean in emotionally and physically towards me, 
God was patiently, patiently pursuing me. And I slowly began to trust him and lean in towards him. Well, after an agonizing 53 days of separation and with the intervention of an influential U.S. Senator and an immigration lawyer, Lucy finally got her U.S. citizenship and her U.S. passport and we were headed home. Um, and I will never forget that reunion in the Australian airport and I, I cry every time I watch the video. I also laughed because I was holding Lucy in one arm and I was pushing the luggage cart in the other, but as soon as I saw my family, I just let the luggage cart go. <laughs> I have no idea who it took out. I really didn't care. <laughs> it was a beautiful moment. So what, what did I learn throughout that crazy, unthinkable ordeal? I learned that the very circumstances that we fight the most against are the most powerful tools of grace in our lives. Because there are so many things that God taught me in that that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And I learned that he's in the waiting. We so often want to get to the other side, but he is very much in the waiting and he meets us there. And I learned that he pursues us, even in our rebellion. He is faithful even when we are faithless because he cannot deny himself. And I learned that there is a sweet bitterness, um, a bittersweetness maybe, to being completely, completely dependent on him when everything was, else was out of my control. So I never got that, uh, never got to the stage <laughs> to, uh, to be famous for the ways that I wanted to be famous, although like, there's part of me that thinks, hey, there's still time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the platform that God did give me, which was an unexpected writing career, um, it was birthed out of pain. It was birthed out of suffering. And that's a venue where God's glory, not mine, can shine through. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.